I literally, I had a, a chicken tender thing from Burger King, and we were recording Rise Against first record at, at Lafayette, Indiana, at Sonic Iguana Studios, and I opened up the chicken tender thing, and it looked, it just looked disgusting, and I threw it out, and that was it. It's car con carne. And here we are in Downers Grove, uh, Carcon Carne, the world's only food podcast recorded in a car. Uh, my guest sitting shotgun this week is Joe from Rise Against. Joe, you picked this place. Where are we at? Yeah, we are We are in Downers Grove, Illinois, a suburb of the fine city of Chicago. And it's um, my favorite pizza place uh, in the western suburbs, Dan's Pizza. It is totally nondescript. Yeah, absolutely. I, I drove yeah. past it. I had to turn around in a cul-de-sac down the street. Because oh, yeah. Went right past it. It's in this kind of quiet, we'll say, strip mall. There's a chop suey place, a cameo barber shop, where I bet not many cameos happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting because I didn't really know. I saw the name just over the years, and I was on my way to the city, so the highway's right, you know, two seconds yeah. that way and and i was like oh pizza by the slice i'm hungry i'll, I'll get a slice for for lunch and it, it reminded me of the pizza i had growing up in melrose park so good well when I, I i worked in addison for about a year and i learned pizza places out here are the best because they all have like the same deal like slice a slice of pizza and a soda for five bucks yep totally every one of them it's the deal of the century yeah. you can't find that in the loop or anywhere near no. the city yeah, it's it's definitely a good deal and it's easy. It's just you can just swing on swing on in and you're off doing whatever you're doing. See, I, I let you pick the place. Are you still straight edge? I, like I, I worried that we'd be going for like quinoa. <laughs> well, um, I would have suggested Downers Grove actually had a raw restaurant called Borrowed Earth, and the owners decided they wanted to play the bongos, so they abandoned the business and started traveling to, literally to Arkansas. They literally left. They like uh, um, a liquidation company came in and cleared out the place like a couple weeks ago. That has to be the only story of its kind in history. Yeah, that someone gives up a business to go play the bongos. And and no joke. Originally, they were trying to give away the business through a contest through the Tribune, and I didn't quite work out because you can't just win a business. You have your creditors, and you know what I mean you have to you have to have good credit and vendors. And there's a complex series of things <laughs> yeah. behind that that need to be worked out. Yeah. The only time I saw The Grateful Dead, back when The Grateful Dead was The Grateful Dead, um, I w- went to, it was The World or the, the venue in Tinley Park. Oh, right. Mid-show, drum circle broke out on the lawn. There were bongos, all kinds of percussion <laughs> instruments. Killed it for me. I went back home about halfway through. I just realized, not my scene. Yeah. That's my only bongo-related story. I, I would feel out of my element for sure in, oh that, my God. in that scenario. <laughs> you, you, you would have no business there. No. All right, let, let's start eating, and I want to talk about Rise Against and your history and all that. I got pizza bread. Pizza bread's always amazing. All right. Everything smells ridiculous. That sounds great on Mike, by the way. You have no idea. <laughs> Remember, Joe, I used to work for a radio station. <laughs> well, now we're recording in my car. But this, I mean, this is a very unique experience. It is. Everyone, I mean, musicians will always remember this. It's, you know, it's like... Radio stations are a dime a dozen. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys still do radio? 
Um, we do. Although I would say, thank you. I would say um, the days of playing acoustic at like six a.m. right are gone. Uh, yeah. But we, yeah, interviews for sure we do. Um, yeah, we realized one day like. Wait, we don't have to get up at the crack of dawn on tour mm-hmm. to, to do this stuff. Like it could happen in the afternoon, if if the radio station would accommodate that, and most of them will. You mm-hmm. know, or we try. We always try to like incorporate some sort of like a charity thing with a radio promo, where like we did a Habitat for Humanity thing in, in Sacramento, like things like that, where we're literally we were there trying to build a house, and you, you don't want us doing that. I love the fact that you guys have ethics and, and a stand and a position besides the songwriting besides the playing that's what makes Rising In so interesting and appealing thank you. you you build community around what you do I think that's amazing do you feel a, a sense of purpose or determination around this year's election as a band well yeah it, it's interesting because you know I'm I may be the least I'm I'm a political person, but I, I'm the least detail oriented, and that, that sounds like a cop out. Um, as far as um, you know, as far as following all the candidates, I am I am definitely like a Bernie fan for sure. Um, but this election to me, sound if I feel like I'm I'm watching like like the an Onion production unfold. <laughs> It's like, what the hell is going on, you know? It's embarrassing. I would imagine Tim is probably pretty fired up, too. Absolutely. Like, as a songwriter, as a lyricist, I would think that, wow, this is going to send me up to the attic to write for a little while. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, that's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, well, now that, uh, you know, when Obama got elected, they're like, what are you going to write about? I'm like, first of all, like, there are always things to sing about. I mean, that's that's a very narrow-minded, you know... Um, I guess you know point that they're they're saying, but you know it's like there 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 are always wrongs in the world, right? That that we feel need exposure. So it's it's our it's not our job, but it, it's just ingrained in us growing up in the punk rock community where you're, you're exposing things you feel are wrong, and that that's what we're, we've been doing for it's going on 16 years. That's fantastic. And yeah. please eat. I, I'm making you talk, but I want you to eat too. Oh, I, believe me, I'll get in there. All right. Are you one of those guys? Because a freaky metabolism, you can eat all this pizza. And it... No. Okay, good. <laughs> Talking about coming up in the punk rock scene, how much did your experiences in Chicago as an independent punk rock artist help you or teach you as you navigated through becoming the huge band that is Rise Against? You know, I think... When I started going to shows at a pretty young age, like I think I was... My first show was... In 1989, at the Vic, it was the Bad Brains, and I was about, it was right when I, I think I was 12 or 13, no, I was 13, and I remember from, even back then, I remember me, I was always checking out um, who was promoting what show, what kind of promoters were doing, you know, certain, you know, shows, you know, like Sean Duffy was around back then. Uh, doing Last Rites Productions, and he always booked the hardcore bands and punk mm-hmm. rock bands. Matt Nelson started doing shows in Palatine, and then he was doing shows in McGregor's and Elmhurst. And, um, and so I guess I always paid attention to like that, that side of it, and I was always intrigued by how bands even got to Chicago. Who was, you know, how did that even happen, that process? Um, 
But that that carried over into when I started 88. I was always the guy sending out demos to labels I saw in Maximum Rock and Roll. 88 Fingers Louie. 80, yeah, 88 Fingers Louie. Like, well, and, and it's like um, Maximum Rock and Roll, those zines were, I mean, they were so important to, to learning about touring and bands in different regions. And uh, I feel like kids are missing out a little bit on, on that kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, I kind of assumed that zines would eventually all make their way online, but the internet just is kind of a black hole. They don't yeah. exist. There are people still doing zines. Yeah. But by and large, from what I've seen, less so about music and more, it's more, the, the zines I run across are artistic or creative writing. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, because I remember the zine scene, as it were, was huge in the 90s. Way huge. You walk into Reckless Records, they had yeah. a whole rack. I mean, a crazy rack of, you know, really cool stuff. You could spend hours looking at them. What was the first record you ever bought? Um, it was ACDC Highway to Hell with my own money. That's um, fantastic. First punk record, Ramon Subterranean Jungle. Like how you had to qualify. First punk record. Yeah. Nothing wrong with ACDC. No. They're great. I, I, I've said this before, but as a kid growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, this group of not necessarily attractive guys singing about getting laid, having a good time. I mean, that that was the beacon. Like, yeah. Like, there's hope for everybody. Oh, absolutely. If these guys are having the best time ever, we're, we're going to be okay. Yeah. And Highway to Hell. I remember when I was a kid, I cannot find this to save my life. There was a concert movie, an ACDC concert movie. Uh, I think it was Let There Be Rock. And I think it was, like, the oh. Highway to Hell tour. They showed it in theaters. Like, really? I remember going to the Old Orchard Theater in Skokie to see the ACDC concert movie. <laughs> it's probably, I, I probably haven't looked hard enough on YouTube, but it's out there. But I love it. Three chords, songs about getting laid. You know what? And that right there, I think, makes a great song. The, the, it's, what music, when music is simplified, those are, tend to be the best songs. Well, those me. riffs. I mean, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're 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 unforgettable. It's like the, the ACDC three chord riff, the Tom Petty three chords, the Ramones three chords, timeless. Yeah, you know. Well, you should tell Tim to write more songs about getting laid. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll I was going to call him after this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get in his business at all, but if you want Rise Against to go to the next level, whatever stratospheric level that is, songs about getting laid. Yeah, maybe Dennis may have covered that in 88 Fingers, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's true. Right, I want I want to bust open the pizza. I don't know. This is a first. We have a 16 inch cheese pizza in the car. So I, one of us is going to be wearing one of these pieces. Dude, at some I'm point. always wearing something home from this. <laughs> oh, that is a work of art. I mean, it's flawless. It is. This is okay. This is like physics trying to bend the cardboard back. Thank you for your help. Yes. Oh my God, we did it. My uh, we did it. That my five year old daughter. Unlocked. Yeah, we gotta we gotta do this. You know, it's funny. I've been coming here for a couple years now, and they're so they were so cool that they the son of uh, the owner is a fan of Rise Against, huge fan, and never mentioned he knew like you know he knew who I was, and I thought it was great. He, he never said anything to make me feel weird or anything. And then, uh, am I making you feel weird? N- no. Oh, I mean, you're I, here I, because you're you are in Rise Against, right? <laughs> I thought I was here because I have a, a part time job at Home Depot, <laughs> <laughs> which is that makes you a good person to know because I never know where the hell to go when I walk in there. It's just too big, and I'm always too embarrassed to ask. My ADD kicks in immediately when I walk into Target 
Home Depot. <laughs> I'm I'm literally there for three hours. My wife's texting me, "Where are you? Get home!" Like I went through that this weekend. I went grocery shopping at Mariano's, right by myself. It's a big store. Yeah, I'm like, oh, they make their own caramel corn here. That's great. And Gelato Station. Oh, come on. Hey, craft soda. I would love that kind of root beer. That looks delicious. I, was, I sound like I'm 13 years old right now telling you the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how I went. All the all the new Whole Foods have similar. They have a. They even have a bar. The new Whole Foods in you know Westmont or wherever it is. There's a bar in there. It's like whoa. Mariano's has a bar too, <laughs> and, and the shopping carts have the drink holders. And you see people you know walking around with pint glasses. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. They actually have a vegan menu at the Mariano's. One of the ones in the city. They have a vegan menu that you can buy whatever, which I thought was awesome. So being on the road, see, I remember I was vegetarian for many years. And I got to the point, especially after I had kids and just as life got busier, it was harder to be a good vegetarian. I found myself doing things like eating cheese pizza because it was just the easiest non-meat thing to do. Is it hard when you're on tour? Um, You know what? When I first became vegetarian, it was about 15 years ago. And back then, it, w- it was pretty difficult. You had Subway, you had the shitty veggie burger from Burger King, which is just awful. <laughs> I've had and it. then you can get like, you know, a grilled cheese or something from mm-hmm. from uh, Checkers or whatever, which is terrible. Um, but now you have Chipotle, you have countless sandwich places that are, are pretty healthy. You know, you could do like sushi, Thai. You know, it's all. It's, it's everyone kind of has like a, an option, you know, noodles and company, mm-hmm. things like that. I'm turning on the cold air, by the way. I don't know if you're warm. I am warm. Yeah, it's the middle of winter. Let's get, <laughs> let's get that AC going. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I would say like everyone. A lot of people ask me that. They're like, you know, touring. It must be really hard. It's like not in 2016. That makes sense. Now, did you stop eating meat out of ethical concerns or was it a health thing? Both. For me, it was ethical. Um, you know, even now, I definitely do not eat health, as healthy as I should. Um, but yeah, back then, I remember I started. I was getting tattooed at a place called Guilty and Innocent, which Kim Sai, who was on LA Inc., but Kim used to work at Guilty and Innocent. She's an old friend of mine. She had PETA pamphlets at that shop way back then. You know, back, probably twenty-three years ago. And there were pamphlets about testing on rabbits. And I remember thinking, like, this is messed up. Like, I, like so then it, it kind of, like, was in the back of my mind. And um, three, four years went by. And I was like, you know, I just can't do it. I literally, I had a, a chicken tender thing from Burger King. And we were recording Rise Against first record at, at Lafayette, Indiana, at Sonic Iguana Studios. And... I opened up the chicken tender thing, and it looked, it just looked disgusting, and I threw it out, and that was it. Just never looked back. Never looked back, never regretted it, never missed it. Um, yeah, that that was it. And also, I mean, there were, you know, countless hardcore bands that I would go see where they, they were, their tables at the, you know, or at the, the merch tables, they had literature, you know, um, Mercy for Animals from Chicago, and, you know, things like that, so I, I would always read that stuff, and it would it was definitely sinking in, you know. Thinking about the live show and the state of business in 2016, it seems to me the live show is more important than it's ever been. Oh because, yeah, because the actual selling product that that's a small part of what keeps a band afloat these days. I mean, it really is all about going on the road, getting in front of people. Yeah, even even at your level, I would assume. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, last year we toured more than the last four or five years, probably. You know, you just... Well, one, we still love to do it, which is <laughs> which is a good thing, right? And um, But, um, yeah, we felt... One, we felt like we were neglecting a lot of fans in, in various corners of the globe. And... Um, it's got to be hard. It is. It's hard to accommodate... Or not accommodate, but it's hard to... to I guess accommodate the, the fan letters from, say, like... You know Russia or Singapore, where it's it's pretty expensive to go there, you know, mm-hmm. and and but at the same time, like we have pretty dedicated fans there, so we we are we're always trying to make an effort, squeeze everyone in, and um, um, but yeah, touring is definitely more important now than ever because people you can't you can't steal a live show, you can't you can't you know what I mean, you can't um, experience that energy. You know, it's it's only at that venue. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't download it. So I don't care if someone's going to download a record, whatever. But definitely support live music. You know, that's that's key. That's what keeps all these bands going. And you guys figured out how to do the live thing a long time ago. Yeah, we just, you've got to try. Down. That was just us trying to be, you know, mimic the the energy that bands like the Bad Brains and Sick of It All put put forth and Naked Raygun. You know, it's like Naked Raygun was such an anomaly. They didn't really move. But they had such a presence. <laughs> like, it was like, how'd they do that? I wish I could not move and, and have that, like, commanding effect, you know? There are a couple bands from that general era. I think of Motorhead, too. Yeah, for sure. Not, not a very physical band on stage, but Mm-mm. you went to a Motorhead show, and it was, holy crap, this is Motorhead. Yeah, it just hits you like a sledgehammer. And, yeah, you're right. Same thing with Raygun. Yeah, Raygun, Pegboy, even Bad Religion. Mm-hmm. It's like, but those bands, even to this day, they're still, they still put on great shows. You know, you mentioned Bad Brains, which was the first show you ever went to. Yep. And you mentioned them again. Isn't it interesting how things we do when we're younger leave such an impression, make such a mark, I mean, that you're still talking about it. What else do you remember from when you were first kind of figuring out, okay, I, I can play, I want to be in a band? What else do you remember from those days? Was it, was it optimism? Was it um, was it cynicism? There was a lot of that around then. You know, for, for me, it was... It was boredom. I was so invested in skateboarding, and then this, this older kid I skated with, um, he hung out with this dude, and his younger brother came by this mini ramp that I was skating, and uh, so the older guys were like, hey, you should hang out with Nick's brother, Dom, because he has similar musical tastes. So Dom came over, and he goes, can you play an instrument? I'm like, not really. I go, there's an acoustic guitar in my house I kind of mess around with. He goes, well, I, I'm playing drums in this new band, and, and I have a bass you can have, and you just want to start playing bass? So just a hand-me-down. Literally. Got you hand, started. Hand-me-down. I had no intention of playing an instrument ever. And it was just literally I was bored, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. One of those moments in history that just... It took a, a, a turn in one direction and it changed your life, truly. Yeah. I mean, I, I owe what I owe where I am now to Dom. And Dom was, you know, the first drummer of 88 Fingers Louie. Um, he, you know, he, we we learned how to play instruments together. We discovered all those old bands together. And, it yeah, it's, it was just literally, I was just at my friend Gary's house skating his mini ramp and life, life changed forever, you know. Tell me about, you left 88 Fingers Louie to go all in with Rise Against. Yeah, well, actually, we, um, 88, we went through a, a, you know, a couple years of, you know, Dennis wasn't sure if he wanted to commit to full-time and touring and this and that. And, and by his own admission, I think he said he was a pain in the ass back then. He was, and I love him for it. Um, 
But I remember we were literally on our way to Wyoming to meet AFI for a tour, and uh, no, we were on our way to Portland, so we stopped in Wyoming at a Denny's to get food, and uh, I could tell his heart wasn't in it, and I just couldn't, I couldn't be on stage with with that vibe. So I said, if you're not into it, I quit, and then we drove home, and it was really uncomfortable. How far away did you have to drive? Casper, from... Wyoming oh, to no. Chicago. No. It was the most uncomfortable oh, no. van ride I've ever been in. I can't imagine. Yeah. and um, But, uh, you know, Dan from 88 Fingers, Louie, and myself, we wanted to continue where we left off, and, and we started Rise Against. And um, John, it was originally Rise Against was going to be John from 88 Fingers, Louie. It was Dan and myself. We were just going to find a different singer, and John decided to, to do the college thing. So Dan and I, um, we uh, we ran to Tim. I knew Tim from his old band Baxter. Yeah. Uh, ran, I ran into him in Indianapolis at a sick of it all AFI show. Out of all places, I love that. yeah. And I go, hey, you have a really cool voice. Like, would you want to try out? And he did. And then we had like this rotating door of of um, of li- of drummers. You know, this 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 people like just they couldn't play like fast and they couldn't do this. So and then we found Brandon through mutual friends and he was from Denver. He moved here for to be in a band that no one ever heard of. That's going all in. That's, yeah. That's commitment. That's and that's what you're talking about. That's what led you to say no to Eighty Eight Fingers Louie. You want to see that conviction, that yeah. commitment. Yeah, absolutely. That it was important to me. The sincerity, the integrity, mm-hmm. that is first and foremost, even to now to this day, it's like I wouldn't do Rise if I wasn't proud of the music we were writing. You know, I c I can't fake it. Is it still fun? Yeah, absolutely. Traveling with a, having a family at home, extremely difficult. I'm sure. Playing shows, still amazing. We still get that same rush. I'm sure it's euphoric. Yeah, absolutely. For, you know, that hour and a half every night makes it worthwhile. So, you guys did first couple albums. Then, the floodgates open. All, all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, we, you know, what's hilarious is I was still living with my mom and I came home from a European tour. Wait, but Joe, please eat some pizza. I, I got. I'm still. I'm still a non on this thing. Dude, I feel like a bad host. No, you're. You're fine. I just. You don't want me talking and eating because I'll be spitting food all over your car. I'm Italian, so you know. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we um, we were on a, a tour in Europe. It was a Fat Records tour because we were on Fat Records at the mm-hmm. time. It was us and the Mad Caddies and the Lawrence Arms, and a band called the Flipsides. I got home and there was an A and R a message from an A and R guy on my mom's answering machine looking for me, and I was like, "That's weird." The guy from DreamWorks Records called my mom's house looking for for me, so I called him back and and we started meeting with this guy and then we started meeting with other labels and things kept snowballing and we ended up signing to DreamWorks, which kind of morphed into well, Geffen bought DreamWorks, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, but yeah, and we stayed on. Universal up until last year. We had a five-record deal, did all our records. It was a great experience, and now we're on Virgin Records. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, though, that, that it, it it worked out. And all, all of our friends that were signing at the time, um, we, we opted for less financial reward and total creative control. And I, I think that's that was a great decision. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is a... A long-term, big-picture way to look at things. Yeah, absolutely. No quick fix. Yeah, if you need to live with your mom for a little while longer, yep, that's fine. Your art is yours. Yeah. I yeah. get it. And uh, I think, you know, we've never demoed for a label, ever. Actually, we did for Fat Records. <laughs> we've never demoed for a major label, ever. Um, they just, 
we handed in a complete record and they put it out whether they liked it or not and luckily it did well for them that's fantastic yeah so you're here we're sitting here in a parking lot of a strip mall <laughs> yeah. there's the kids cuts over there and uh there's a there's a spawn wellness studio um did i catch you at a rare downtime like shouldn't you be recording or touring or doing what bands do you you definitely caught us at uh we got off the road in december so we're getting reacclimated to civilian life um i've been writing songs on my own in my basement I have a little studio down there. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Tim has been doing. We should have recorded there instead of the car. Yeah, we, we, you are more than welcome to come down there. Um, you might get a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and two and a half-year-old jumping on you. But been there. All right. Um, my kids, by the way, not kids that I'm keeping down there. That would just be weird. Yeah. The show is being recorded. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, I, other than writing just songs whenever I have time, yeah, I'm just we're hanging out at home. Going to see shows. I, you know, I'm hoping to see Killing Joke tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. I've never seen them live, and I, I love that band. I'm going to Slayer next week. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that show. Slayer and Testament. Is that the Air? No, is that Riff? Riff. I have a hard time with the Aragon. Me too. It's a, it's, a hard, it's a hard venue for loud music. Yeah, you just cross your fingers and hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I will, I'm willing to bet uh, I will be at the Testament um, uh, Slayer show because... Truth be told, Testament, they were one of my favorite bands growing up. Oh, really? Up. Yeah. I saw them twice at the Vic in high school. And that, to me, not a terrible surprise. I think we, as in everyone, we're omnivorous. I mean, yeah, you are Joe, you're in this punk rock band, you're, you've been in punk rock bands, but that's not all you can possibly listen to. Right. No. I, I bet if I were to look at your phone right now, I'd see a lot of stuff that would make me raise an eyebrow. Tons of 80s pop. Mm-hmm. I mean... I love pop music. I love, I'm very, and I'm, it's, I've always been like this, so it's not to be because I'm a bass player. I'm very um, rhythm-driven kind of guy where the bass is carrying the melody of a song. Echo and the Bunnymen's a great example. The Cure is a great example. U2, old U2. That bass is kind of holding it down. Simple guitar. You just described my high school years. Yeah, I, I mean that's the holy trinity right there. And and those songs just stand up. They're great songs. There are still several Echo and the Bunnymen songs that give me chills. Yeah. Oh, he, such a good songwriter. That voice, everything, just the way they cast a mood and a vibe. Absolutely, and, and it's a crime I haven't seen them live. Every time they play Chicago, I'm on tour. Every time. I saw them at Riot Fest. Yeah, I was, I was literally gone the day they played, and then I was home the next day. <laughs> like, Figures. Yeah, you know who else I've just reinvested enthusiasm for is the Psychedelic Furs. Richard Butler's amazing. That voice, the horns, I and mean, the sax. Yeah. You know, apparently Mars from Psychedelic Furs went to my high school in River Grove. Right, because he, <laughs> uh, I guess most famously on a local level, uh, kicked off Liquid Soul. Yep. Yeah, my friend Brian was the MC for Liquid Soul. There you go. Yeah, best friend, one of my best friends. Great band. Great band. Oh, super great band. Uh, anyone else famous go to your high school? Um, there is a guy who's on the Chicago Bears, and I don't watch football, so I can't tell you who it is, <laughs> but he went there. <laughs> you should reach back out to him. Say, <laughs> I saw the Will Smith movie. I'm concerned. <laughs> you know what? I did see that movie, and I really am. I'm like, that's scary. It's a scary well, the, thought. The movie ends with that statistic. What was it, like one out of every four players 
no matter who, what position they play or how much they play, will end up with this. Yeah, and all that did it ins- it ensured my kids will never play football. <laughs> it's like, I agree. And what what else was interesting about that stat? It came from the NFL's actuary. So oh yeah. One of the NFL's people says that. So imagine what an outside third party person might say. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I, Will Smith was amazing in that. So good. He's a great actor. <laughs> he is. I, 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 watching the movie, I had to remind myself it was him. He was so good at the way he carried himself. It, it was he transformed himself into that doctor. Oh, for sure, absolutely. And I, th- I think um, um, I was wondering if this guy, the guy walking up to the car, or whatever. <laughs> I was wondering if he was like going to knock on the window and ask why we're hanging out here with a microphone. <laughs> but I gotta be honest with you, I'm surprised people don't do that more often. Oh yeah, I, he's a delivery guy, by the way. For the pizza place. This really is yeah. your place. Yeah. This is your spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised more people don't say, what's going on? Are you... Yeah, why are you guys here? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing to the Rise Against guy? <laughs> is he trapped? Can he get... Is he allowed to speak? Is he okay? Speaking of which, without fail, if I'm at a Target or whatever, more times than not, I'm buying diapers for my kid, and that's when a, a, someone sees me and wants to take a photo with me, yeah. and I'm holding diapers. <laughs> more times than not. But that... That's probably better than toilet paper. Yes, I think so. <laughs> or douche. Definitely. Don't catch me buying by douche. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think uh, <laughs> one, it's cool that, that people know the band, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never be bummed at that, obviously. That's just it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't be mad at somebody for wanting to take a photo. I was growing up, I wanted to do that. I saw... I saw Jay from Bad Religion at Diversity Bowl one night, and I punished him for like an hour. And and then years later, we became super good friends, and we laugh about it. So you just it. like kept talking, like yeah. Remember on that tour, or that album, or what do you think about? Just, yeah, what what were you thinking when you wrote the baseline for? Uh, um, now I'm drawing a blank, but there's there's a few songs on Against the Grain that that baselines really they stick out and. And, you know, now now that I'm in a band, you know, looking back, it's like you can't remember 15 yeah. years ago. And but uh, he was so, so cool. And you know what he said? He goes, I'm just a guy like you that loves punk rock music. We're all in this together. We're all fighting them outside. And I was like, I, that that stuck with me to this day like that. He said that it's like it's amazing. He still feels it, you know, like the why he got into that music. It's great that is all right so you're writing um and then we'll see you back on the road at some point yeah yeah um you know we are playing a, a few uh, festivals in in, in the, the summer um one of them is near chicago I, I don't i'm not sure if i'm supposed to say where yet but look on riseagainst.com coming up um I don't know if it's announced yet or is not. Is it the Rolling Thunder the country festival out in Wisconsin? You he Rise got Against me. is playing that. <laughs> you got me. It's cool. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> Can do a little rockabilly thing, maybe. You know, a little, little, little stand-up bass, maybe. Yes. Oh my god, I love the stand-up bass <laughs> yeah. for your side project. You know what? I have a really f- weird way of playing bass where I tend to pick up. And Matt Freeman, who plays in Rancid, he's like, "You would be good at." There's a whole genre of kind of like psychobilly where people use this technique where they pick up and mute it to get a stand-up bass tone. But it's with a regular bass. And he's like, you'd be perfect at it. So I was like, well, maybe I should look into that as like an alternate kind of, uh, you know, side project kind of See, thing. 
when Tim goes all Mick Jagger and does his She's the Boss album <laughs> and leaves you behind, you're the Keith, you got to do your talk as cheap. That, that's the direction you should go in. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up because truly, Joe, I've, I'm sitting here in front of this pizza. I've, you've got to eat this. The whole idea is we, we come and we eat food. We're, we're going to eat food. I'm just making you talk. Uh, all right. Uh, Rise Against, we can find you everywhere on the social medias. Absolutely. All, all of them. And uh, you guys are just awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, it is Caracol. I think I'm choking on, on pizza right now. But it's a good kind of choke because it's delicious. Um, Carcon Carney, if you like the show, if you tolerate the show, if you find it mildly amusing, uh, please tell a friend. Uh, we're trying to grow this in 2016. We're also on the Twitter at Carcon Carney and carconcarney.com. Joe, you rock. Thank you very much. <laughs>